Welcome to another edition of the Journal Podcast. We sit down with Michael Humans, the man behind the magic of feel watches. Embracing Scottish heritage, each watch is made using the reclaimed wood of whiskey casks and hand-sewn Scottish leather, creating truly one-of-a-kind timepieces. From his diverse background to starting a business from nothing, Michael recalls what it took to bring the dream of feel watches to life. Thank you so much for joining us on the Journal Podcast. It's great to have you on. I wanted to start around the unique idea behind your brand. Could you tell us a bit about the moment when you came up with the idea of making watches out of whiskey casks? It would have been in 2017. That's kind of starting point, I would say, when, when I kind of came up with the idea. But um, I studied product design at Strathclyde in Glasgow, and I've always wanted to be a designer. That has always been my passion since I was younger. I wanted to create things, make something that's unique and different. I've got a strong passion for Scotland and old Scottish things. Funny enough, whiskey wasn't something that I was kind of into during that time, but obviously I know whiskey is such a strong and important factor of culture here in Scotland. So I thought, you know, I want to create a watch brand. I want to create something different. And so it kind of all just started to come together, really. I love the idea of sustainability and using something that's reclaimed. Using wood from a cask, more people understand it as a barrel. But I thought, you know, using that, it already holds a lot of its heritage, its own story. Um, It's sustainable. And it kind of adds something unique to it. Now, I didn't really know how I was going to do it. (laughs) I've not been brought up as a watchmaker. You know, I studied product design. I've kind of got this strong passion to want to design and create and make stuff. And, yeah, I just thought, you know what, I'll buy a watch, take it apart, and kind of just go for it. I wasn't afraid to kind of go through that kind of unknown stage. Just because I don't know how to do something doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it. That's exciting. (laughs) It's fun. So, yeah, it kind of all started coming together and especially, again, touching on how if you're going to start a new brand, especially a watch brand, because watch brands all the time getting built, it needs to have a very unique element to it. And I just felt like, you know what, if I could create something from a whiskey cask, from a barrel, then I thought, you know, I could be onto a winner here. It kind of all started from there, really. Now, going back to touching upon why I started, something that I, I guess I should have clarified a bit better. So initially, I graduated with a degree in product design. I studied five years, so I did my, my bachelor's and master's at Strathclyde. And I was like, I was quite eager because my, my passion is to be a designer, right? I wasn't initially thinking about starting a business. You know, I was like, right, I want to be a designer. I want to create things. I want to make things. And I was really passionate about just landing my first design job. But unfortunately, like, I just I just get getting turned down for things. I tried to get into internships. I was turned down for that just due to that whole lack of experience. And, you know, for those who are listening that maybe graduate, graduated or graduating, thinking about what to do, they want to they want to go into a job that they kept getting turned down on. There is other ways, right? I, I started my business because I told myself that if no one was going to give me that experience, then I would give it to myself. Because I believe that I'm, I'm a good enough product designer to create something to make it happen. So I think that's that's the main thing. You know, if no one's going to give it to you, that experience that you want, you give it to yourself. You said something that I was going to touch upon, Michael. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you take that idea and then make it a reality? Because I guess from the initial idea, it's quite daunting to then say the various steps you've got to go through. But I mean, how do you go from taking that original idea to the sort of final product and all the stages that are involved and actually making the watch, the funding, Mm. everything. I mean, how does that all happen? There is, I think it can be very overwhelming at the start, knowing that there's so many things that you need to to do to get to the point where I am today. 
but it, it is a journey and it is something that you gotta, I guess you gotta be really patient. You can't have it just in one day. You can't have it even in a year to be able to, to do what I've done. There's so much process to it. And I guess having that understanding background of designing a product helps to know the different stages that you need to go through to create something. But then there's another element to that where you're thinking about business as well. So it's not just creating a product, it's creating everything else around that, creating the brand identity, how you're going to sell, how you're going to market. And there's there's a lot of things. But, of course, the initial thing for me was, okay, I, want, I need to know how to make the product first. Without the product, there is no business. <laughs> it's It was fundamentally learning how to create the product. And I had an idea. So everything in, in the end, it starts. It starts with that idea, right? It starts with that idea and that passion. And so what, what I wanted to do was create a watch. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to do it, but again, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try. And so I started, I initially first bought a watch, right? Bought just a standard watch. <laughs> I took it apart and I kind of looked at it and thought, right, what are the components, essential components that I need to create a watch? And once I got that, I got my sketchbook out. I love just sketching and getting my, just a pen and pencil, just paper, just, just drawing up ideas, kind of now thinking about the, the way that I want it to look. And then once, once you start getting that, okay, that's the kind of first initial steps of that, you start having to prototype. So you start having to make it. And again, that's another element that's, that's manufacturing, creating a product, handcrafting it. That's something else on top of everything else, you know. I'm not, I'm not asking a company to go, here, look, this is my idea. Can you make that for me? Because no, I think we've got to remember that I started with no money. <laughs> Doing what I did, I started with nothing. So I had to use the knowledge that I have. I had to use the facilities. So I used the facilities at uh, my university, Strathclyde. And they have a fabrication workshop called Fab Lab, which you pay £30 a month. And you can book up a slot to use a machine. And I just kind of booked up, you know, as much as I could. I went in every single day. And I just started having to learn how to use the machines to, to create my prototypes. I had hundreds of prototypes that failed, <laughs> like so many, you know. Um, but I was just like, right, no, I'm just going to keep going. And for at least the first year or so, like, I, I just I had so many failed attempts at trying to create it. Because creating creating a watch, first of all, out of wood, it has its own difficulties as well. Because it's not a, it's not a metal component which can change dependent on the weather circumstances and all these kind of things. So, so yeah, I had to kind of, I had to learn a lot of this as I went through. But yeah, so I'd say there's, there's just so many stages to it. Funny enough, the first year I, I, I carried a shoebox with me, right? And I had all my components in it. And I would carry it every single day with me, you know, back and forth from, I was staying at my mum's house at that point, And uh, she lives towards Loch Lomond. So it was around 45 minute commute on the train. I would take the bus because it was cheaper. So that would be like, like an hour and a half just to get in. And I would do that for every single day. It was, it was, it was mental because I mean, I had like no money. <laughs> so I was using as little as I could just to make these bits. And was, it was slowly getting in until 2018 was when I made a watch that finally worked. That was the hands wasn't getting stuck. It worked. I could shake it around it wouldn't fall apart <laughs> you know all these obviously all these things that you would expect <laughs> right and then I, I ran a kickstarter campaign and that kind of set things off 
It's so interesting, like you've come from that place. And as you mentioned, so many failures, so many attempts, starting with no money. And it's amazing how far you've come since then. I'm wondering what was it that kept you so passionate throughout all of those challenging stages? I've always got like something entwined in me, which is just I, I hate the idea of giving up. First of all, I'm very kind of tunnel vision minded so that when I've got something that I want to achieve, you know, I don't get phased too much by when things don't work out because I, I do strongly believe that failure is an important factor. You know, that kind of trial and error, right? It's such an important factor in getting anywhere in life because we're, we're, we're obviously not going to know if we're going to be able to do something, but only when you make a mistake will you sometimes know what not to do to then improve on that. So that was, I guess that just never kind of phased me that much. There was there was a lot of tough moments. Like I think the thing the the main thing obviously is not having any money, right? Starting a business with with no money. I I just I just graduated from a master's in product design, and pretty much spent all my money. had had nothing nothing left. Had very little. I was on universal credit at that point because uh, and I was staying at my mum's. I had very little to kind of just get myself by and buy small components, pay thirty quid a month for the workshop and then transport. And it was just all these little steps, but again, I don't, th- I don't think it phased me that as much. I think if you're passionate about something, it's, it's very difficult to give up. I think that's really interesting what you've said there. If you're really passionate about something, you don't want to give up. Because I can imagine when you're traveling back and forth on a bus, you're carrying your shoebox full of mm-hmm. components. There might have been a tendency, like, or a moment where you just thought, can I keep doing this? Or, you know, should I just get a, a normal job the fact that you kept on going like that in itself is incredibly inspirational that you just didn't quit or didn't give up was there a moment though you thought can i keep doing this definitely i think it's i think it's natural to feel like doubt creeping in as well um i think that's a normal thing to feel if you if you don't feel that i think yeah you're not really human because <laughs> it's i think it's normal i think the toughest part was there was because remember at this point like i've i've not really got anything to sell in business, obviously, you know that you know m- money is like oxygen. Without it, and when o- when it money runs out, oxygen runs out, everything runs out, and that's it. You can't do it anymore. So I knew at the same time I was on a kind of timeline, and it's funny. Like even to today, I'm always like, you know what? I'm, what I do, time is a love hate thing <laughs> because it's like I'm creating time, but it takes time to create, and time goes by so quickly. And so it, there, there were so many moments, but I do remember there was one moment where I was in my overdraft for both my business account and my personal account. I went to take out some money just to get the train back and uh, from the cash machine, and it just declined. And I had to, I literally, at that point, I had, to, I had no money. Right, I had no money. I think I managed to scrounge a few bits of coins in my pocket to go, right, I can get go home. I remember that point just... It was like even walking past someone who was homeless on the street, they were asking me for change, and I just didn't have even enough money for that. And I was like, man, like I don't. And then, of course, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I've got a lot of mates who graduated. They've, they've got decent graduate jobs. They're mo- they, they seem, it seems like they're moving on in life. They're getting places, and here I am just struggling, trying to, to make this thing work. <laughs> Why? Why am I doing this, right? But I guess, yeah, then you just got to pick yourself up. you got to figure out, like, you know what, I mean, I've, I've got to this point. I felt very, like, 
quite close to getting somewhere where I could make this work. So just I just kept going until the very point that I feel like, you know what, this is it. I've done enough. I, I can't go on and I should move on. Then Then I'll know. No, it's so impressive to come from that and, yeah, just relentlessly continue. And there must be so much passion that drives that. You've obviously talked a bit about your passion for the product and you talked earlier about your passion for Scotland and the heritage and how that was important to you to interweave it with what you were making. Could you tell us a bit about why Scotland is so important to you and why you really wanted it to be part of the product? My own kind of heritage, in a way, I'm, I'm, I'm half Japanese, half English. So I was born in Japan until I was five. My dad's from Newcastle. And so we, when I was five, we moved over to Newcastle to live there for a few years. And then after that, I moved towards near Loch Lomond. And I was there pretty much all my life. I've lived there. I think, well, my dad, my dad had ginger hair, you know, and I kind of always associated, I must be a bit of Scottish in him <laughs> somewhere. I'm sure it was some Celtic. Anyway, I guess just I fell in love with Scotland ever since I've been like living here. Just I'm an I'm a avid hiker. I love the scenery. Being brought up near Loch Lomond, it's just such beautiful surroundings and the heritage and the culture that we have here, the kind of the strong passion, the bravery. And there's, there's a lot of things tied with the Scottish people that I think is well known throughout the world. And we're quite unique as individuals. There's so many things, and so many, even the inventors and people that, that have made such a huge difference in the world being Scottish. And so there's there's so many ties to it, but I say I just it's it's something I believe my my heart strongly here in Scotland, and I love this place so much. If I could be out into the wild, <laughs> I'd be there all the time, just living there, just taking in the kind of the the scenery and the atmosphere, and just there's something about it. It just seems magical. If no one's been to Scotland, I'd, I'd advise you to come because it's, it's such a unique place. No matter if it's raining or whether it's sunny, there's something magical about it. Do you take a lot of the inspiration when you're creating something from, like you've mentioned, you're an avid hiker and you like to explore through your travels from Scotland? When you're when you're doing that, do you think, oh, I've got a really really good eye for a for a watch. This is how I want it to look. Do you take a lot of inspiration from your surrounding areas? I take it. Totally. You know, I carry my sketchbook with me from about, and I kind of just I love climbing Munro's. So whenever I'm at the top, you know, again, it's funny enough, I, I do see the kind of the climb as, in a way, a similar journey as well to start a business. You know, you've got the uphills, you've got the downs, you've got the, you know, then the kind of the, the part where you reach the top, right? And, you know, you just kind of take that in. But of course, there's, there's lots more Monroe's, you know, there's lots more to continue to do. So I kind of see that as a kind of metaphor as well. But when, when I'm up there and I see the surroundings, just again, feel like Scotland's got a unique aspect also in terms of, I think in terms of design, I think we've got a lot to offer to the rest of the world, I would say. If you can kind of bring in the elements of the, the natural surroundings and the beauty and the kind of the barren lands and the simplicity that you can see around, you can kind of add that to your element of design, which is kind of what I've aimed to do with my watches. Not that it's just made from a whiskey cask, but if you really look into it, I've created it in a kind of a simplistic format where there's not too much going on, kind of streamlined shape where again that's that's kind of what i want it to be like i don't want to overcomplicate anything i want you to be able to look into the details of the grains of the wood if you can really look into the watch you know every grain of the wood is very different from each watch which makes it unique but there's something about it that it's natural pattern it's created that 
that it's never going to be replicated again. And I think that's what makes it unique and for that element of something that I think is kind of a Scottish design. What's been the reaction from your friends and family and customers to what you've managed to achieve and create? Yeah, no, I think everyone's amazed at the kind of the, the steps that I've taken, those who have followed me from the very beginning to where I've got to now. I mean, I've had a lot of support, and I think the biggest support, obviously, I could tell you was the Kickstarter campaign. That fundamentally was like a huge milestone because that added to the fact that actually people wanted this, as well as people like my friends and family that supported to buy a watch or donate, allowed to kind of push things on. Because at that point, I had, like, no money. <laughs> and so from there to, to reaching my goal, and the Kickstarter is a funny one as well because, I mean, it's crowdfunding. It's it's not an easy thing to do. You know, it's not like you just upload a picture and you go, all right, I'll just wait till people buy it and you set a time frame, <laughs> you know. It's not as easy as that because you've got to do a lot of preparation beforehand to get people to notice that you're going to be active and on at that point. You're going to have to create and generate a lot of interest Without that, it's not going to work. And then you're thinking, right, setting yourself a goal, a target. With Kickstarter, if you don't hit just one pound, like if you're one pound below your target, you don't get anything. It's pretty mental. And I set myself 15,000 pounds on that as a goal. Why? God knows why. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I just felt like, right, I was just going to set 15,000 pounds. And I want to, I just felt like that was right. And I want to hit that target. And in the end, I hit 16,900. Again, it just kind of wasn't, was those small steps because I, I didn't have a large marketing budget as well. And that makes it more difficult because if you've got no marketing budget, again, it's all about eyes getting seen on it. Whilst it's invisible, no one knows you exist. That must have been such a boost and so reassuring, as you say, to realise that this is a product that people really want. It's not just something that you've thought of. People really want it. It's unique. As you were saying before about the unique grains of in each watch, in each word, I think that's something that makes it really special. And I think people are looking for things like that a bit more. I think people want unique things rather than, you know, the accessories you can get from fast fashion brands that are all the same. I think People are looking for like objects that can tell a story. And why do you think that is something that appeals so much to people? I reckon, obviously, now nowadays we're, we're very much focused a lot in the sustainability of our environment. And I think that does play a large factor in, as you talk about fast fashion, right? People, people just kind of, again, it's so cheap that you, you, you lose the kind of identity of it as well. You lose the fact that actually someone made it or whether it was just batched and no one really cared about it something that's batch produced it, it sometimes just loses that identity because it's not unique anymore there's so many people have it so it's like what's what's you know what's unique about it so i feel like yeah we're we're coming back more to that time where back in the day when things weren't as batch produced we used to make things that was crafted that people took a lot of time to create that then was passed on to generations we don't have that as much anymore. We've lost that, that touch with the, with the products and the, the gifts that we get because people just feel like it's, okay, it's nice and I, I really appreciate the gesture, but the product itself, you'll, you'll probably forget about it, <laughs> you know, after a few months. You'll, you'll probably exchange it or change it for something or it'll break and you'll be like, right, well, 
whatever. <laughs> you know, so I think, yeah, you, you know, you've touched upon a really important factor, which is, you know, that we should become more connected to the things that we, we buy, the people we buy from. Like, what, what do they stand for in terms of, you know, our future? What do they stand for when they create that product? I mean, I know that a lot of companies, it's all about money driven, right? I mean, that's in the end why we are at the point where we are. We become so greedy to the fact that we don't care how it affects our environment and how it affects other people, how it affects the workers that work in horrible conditions. We we shouldn't get to that point. And so I, I hope that, you know, with what I can do is I can bring back again, which is a hard thing to do, to bring back that element of creating or starting a, or even scaling a business which is hand-produced, right? <laughs> Because again, you got you got to teach people how to create it, and uh, the whole back to that whole thing about it, it's it's time. Time is what's important, and I think time essentially is is the ruler of all, right? Is <laughs> people make money because in the end they want to free up their time more to do the things that they love doing. So time is all we have within the life frame that we have, and so time is the most important thing. And if if someone knows that something takes a bit more time then it seems a lot more important, or it is a lot more important. With all that in mind, how important do you think it is to support independent brands? And do you now have a greater appreciation of uh, what someone puts into essentially creating their dream, I guess? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. I think I've always appreciated it as, um, you know, in a way. I've appreciated it a lot more now doing what I'm doing. Because as an independent business or someone that's crafting, creating their own thing, See, when someone buys something from you, it's just the feeling is overwhelming because, again, you're you're directly in connection with that. There's no one else that's in between that. It's you and that person. So you know when every time someone buys something, you you get to see that person's name and you get to send it to them. These these are the aspects, you know, that, again, it's as an independent, as a small business, you get to see. So, yeah, I think it is, is um, something I appreciate a lot more, you know, to every single person that's bought something that's supported um, my dream, supported what I do, supported my craft, appreciated and sent me messages of how it made their granddad feel or their husband feel on their anniversary or their wedding. Even those messages, just it just solidifies what I'm doing, you know, and makes me feel like I want to, I want to keep going. So what does the rest of the year have in store for you? What's the what's the long term aims for this year and beyond? So yeah, that's that's going back down to because I have to bounce about from making stuff to then the business side and thinking about again. All right, okay, looking back and going right, where's next? What's next here? Right, I've t- I've ticked off a lot of the boxes that I wanted to tick off when I initially started because when I first started, I was just like right. I want to get featured on a magazine. I got featured, obviously, with yourselves, which is fantastic, and I really appreciate that. Got featured in Scottish Herald, and I was like, right, boom, take that. Right, I want to win an award. I won Scottish Edge. That was a huge thing, and I was like, right, boom, take that. You know, I want to run a Kickstarter campaign. I want to have that successful. Boom, I take that. You know, and I was like, right, I want to start selling all over. Take that. Right, so I've got it in so many different not everywhere, but I've sold in in most parts of the globe. I've sold my watches. So it's fantastic. And then another thing was I, I've always wanted to collaborate with others, uh, distilleries, for example. It's always been in my mind. And I think it's really important, especially as a small business, collaborations an important thing. Getting on, getting on board with someone that's already got an established business 
and joining forces and being a part of that, it adds to your credibility as a, as a business and credibility for your product. So even last year when I worked with Glen Scorcher, Jura, and this year I've got a few different distilleries and collaborating with, which I'm working on. So just kind of, again, just moving along, just doing all these things and doing a lot more trade shows as well, getting into more shops, getting into more places. Fantastic one last year, I got into this Scotch whiskey experience, which is up at Royal Mile at the top. So that's a great place to have the watches there next to Edinburgh Castle. So, you know, having more and more places, just, again, getting my brand out there, getting it seen, you know, getting it noticed. And um, hopefully I'll be going down to London for a big trade show there, but that's in September. I say I'm working on a few different collaborations right now as well. Trying to do a lot more marketing. That's why, you know, I really appreciate the time I have with yourselves and doing more podcasts and figuring out, again, that's that's another aspect of business right now. There's social media is it's sort of crucial to generating more sales and more audience and more eyes on your, your business and your products. So trying to look at different ways to, to do more of that. So there's a lot of things, right? As you can tell, there's a lot of things because um, I also want to create new watches and new versions. Um, a female watch is something that I'm looking at right now because I, I do want to design one. That's something that's been on my mind. It's funny enough, like originally I was trying to create like a unisex watch, but from feedback, it maybe is a bit more bulky and the, the lever is perhaps a bit thicker. So there's some things that I need to change then. That's, that's going to be the next thing. There's a lot to do and just going to keep, keep taking steps forward and, and growing it. Not getting too ahead of myself. I don't feel like, you know, what I've achieved so far is not downgrading what I've achieved, but I just feel like it's still the very, very beginning. I've got one more thing that I'm intrigued about. You said right at the start that when you first started at all, you weren't really a big whiskey fan or you weren't actually that into whiskey at the start. Has that changed throughout this journey? Oh, yeah. No, I've got got loads of collections now. It's changed. I adore whiskey now. Like, whiskey is my number one choice of drink. It's it's something special about it. It's knowing obviously that I make it from, from to my watches, but I feel like there's a there's a strong connection between my products in terms of also a whiskey is some something that a lot of people drink on special occasions, right? It's something that's special, unique, and presents something that's again it's it's taken a lot of time to make, and so there's a lot of associations connected with the fact that I make watches that takes time. Again, this it's very unique because there's only a certain amount of those bottles made within that year and stuff like that. So there's that that element to it as well. And, you know, it's like if if someone buys a watch, I tell them that, you know what, this, this is a watch that you wear in special occasions, like you would if you drink a bottle of whiskey. Because we've got to remember the fact that it is a wooden watch. Obviously, it's not metal, so you, you do want to make sure you look after it, you take care of it, you wear it, and you wear it with pride. You wear it on those special days where you feel like, you know what, I want to represent this and that this watch represents me. So, yeah, I, I love whiskey. I've, I've got so much more collections to, to make. I've got a lot more distilleries to go and visit. I, I would love to hike and visit loads of distilleries. Um, one of my things I want to do this year is I want to go to Isla Sky and go to Talisker and Rossi and, you know, just kind of visit a few of the distilleries around there. But I, I don't want to drive. I want to, I want to hike it. You touched on something earlier as well. You said that after you graduated, your friends, there seemed to be a perception that they were getting on with their life and achieving mm-hmm. success while you were maybe stuck in a, in a rut, I guess. 
but it just goes to show you there's no sort of ideal for success. I mean, you're building towards something and I think it's important not to get sidetracked by looking at the lives of others and comparing yourself mm. with them, thinking oh, they're doing this and I'm not doing that. It's just about doing what you're doing and if you believe in yourself enough, it can and will happen. I totally believe that. I think everyone's got, you know, their own lives. Someone going one direction doesn't mean everyone has to go that way. We have to follow what makes us happy in life. If you're not happy with something, then it means that maybe you got to change that. Like what? What is it? And I, I don't, I don't mean like momentary because obviously we go ups, ups and downs. It's not like one day you have a bad day at work and you're like, right, I want to change my whole life and career. Uh, you know what? Well, that's gonna happen, right? You know, even starting a business, you know, you, you're gonna have those ups and downs, but it doesn't mean that you just you just give it all up. But it's it's more in terms of are you happy the direction where you're going? Where is it you're trying to get to? And I think that's the most important question you should ask yourself. What what is it that makes your life feel more fulfilling in this short time that we we live on this earth? What is it that's, that you're going to do that, you know, you're not going to regret and look back and go, you know what, I wish I could, I wish I did that. I wish, you know, don't, don't wish, you know, and then don't regret. And I mean, like, you know, we're never too, we're never too late to start something. You know, if you've got an idea of passion to want to start something, I just think there's, there's, there's no loss in it because everything, Every lesson that you learn is, is so valuable that you can't pay for that. You can't. No one can pay for that. So as long as you learn from that, you'll only ever be stronger than you were before. Thanks for listening to another edition of The Journal Podcast. And tune in next week when we're joined by Katie Taylor, whose own personal experiences inspired her to found The Latte Lounge, an online community offering help and support in health and well-being for women over 40.